Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. We're coming to you today as a squad, getting the team back together. So to my right, I have Leslie Carroll. Hello. And to her right is Kristen Sabalka. Hey. And still to her right is Pastor Eric. Hello. And to his right, we have Elijah Tran. Hello. Yeah, Elijah. And to his right, we've completed the circle back to me. The Circle of Life. My name is John. It's good joining all of you today. Thank you for listening. Today, we're going to be talking about the new year, 2024. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Perfect. That was good. We're entering into a whole new year. Get to do it all over again. Do you guys have like resolutions or words? What do you guys have for the new year? I don't do a resolution because I have learned that I don't ever keep my resolution. I mean, so why... Why bother? Situation on that. However, this is the first year I have done a word. Oh. I know. I'm already stressed about it. I picked a hard one for myself, which I chose discipline. I'd like to be, I would like to be more disciplined in a laundry list of areas that I'm not going to share with everybody, but. What? Gutsy. Just give us one. I feel like I'm setting myself up for failure. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) This is why I even picked this is because. On Instagram, where we get all pertinent information, there was a gal, and she had, but it was, this was true, and she was talking about how, like, you want X, Y, and Z, you want X, Y, and Z to be different, you want to improve in all these areas, but the reason that you're not improving, one of them, is because you're not disciplined. Like, you hmm. go to bed when you want to go to bed, you wake up when you want to wake up, you spend money when you want to spend money, you eat what you want to eat, like, but then you want to improve, or you, wh- whatever your area is that you want to make better, you're not disciplined enough to go the distance and see those improvements. Anyways, that struck a chord with me, and I was like, she's right. I do, like, I'm guilty of a lot of that. And so I thought, I'm going to see. I feel like I already knew all of that, and that's why my word is not discipline for the year. Like you knew. Because that's just way too hard. I know. I'm not. So far, what's today? The (laughs) 21st? I'm not doing great. I'm, I'm going to be real honest. <laughs> There's time. I, you know, got, I have time. the whole year. Yeah, I have the true. whole year. We'll what about, check, what about we'll you, Kristen? What do you got going on? Anything for the year? Well, it obviously is going really well. The fact that I we got to this point and I couldn't even remember what my <laughs> word was that I had already chosen. So clearly I've been applying it to my life. But upon reflection, I remembered that, of course, being a little more long-winded than the average person, I chose a phrase. Not a word, but my word, no, my phrase is presence over performance. I read it in a devotional. It's really deep. That is good. Um, I have a tendency in vulnerability to be a bit of a want to perform well in front of everyone Mm. all the time. And that can really be my motivation and my driver. And... Um, I'm in a season of my life where I think I could look like I was performing in a lot of areas because I have a lot of things on my plate this year. Mm. Um, But I want to be present to what God has between my two feet every day, which is a lot of things, but um, just that I'd be more focused on that than on performing well. That's a good one. That's really good. We will allow the phrase because it was an excellent phrase. It was from a devotional, so I didn't come up with it. I just read it and thought, (laughs) there it is. That's what I'm going with. That's good. Discipline, presence over performance. Did you say your word yet? I didn't. Mine for this year is action. Oh. Because I'm a procrastinator. I'm a chronic. Pastor Eric's nodding over there. 
<laughs> I'm a chronic procrastinator. So uh, action. So when when something's wrong or when something's broken, hey, fix it. Just get up and do it instead of having it like sit over my brain for a month. It's better to just yeah. get it done, and that's the best way to get rid of it. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm learning and growing. One of these days, I'll be an adult. Hey, I'm still waiting. So, <laughs> Pastor Eric, do you have anything? Um, I don't usually pick words or do resolutions. Because I know that I always end up, be, I end up feeling guilty because I'm like I should do that all the time. <laughs> so, um, but a, a word I think that's gonna ap- apply probably to this year is preparation. Mm. I look at kind of everything going through. Um, it's just a lot, a lot of preparation. When I think of the church, I think of my own life. You know, mm-hmm. all the things going on. It's a, it's a word that keeps coming up. So I don't know that I picked it as much as I noticed it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect segue to our topic today, uh, because today we're talking about the year 2024. Dun, dun, dun. How many times are you going to let me do that? I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Buckle up, listener. Um, Yeah. I mean, so 2024, looking ahead to the new year, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm a little pessimistic. I feel like the whole Mm. world is a little pessimistic looking forward to this year. We've got currently, as of the recording of this podcast... Uh, we've got war in the Middle East that seems to not be shrinking, but actually expanding, and that's getting messier and messier. So there's a lot of concerns going on with that. We've got an economy that is struggling still. I know there's some bright spots people are looking towards, and hmm. you know the economy does funny things in a election year, and, <laughs> and that's probably the thing that stresses Americans out the most. Uh, often when we head into an election season, we know it's going to get ugly. And we know there's going to be some, probably a lot of negative things and division in America and all of that. This year especially seems worse than usual since we're already divided as a nation. That's Mm -hmm. something that's concerning towards everybody. Uh, We've got candidates that, to be honest, both sides seem to be despairing over a little bit. I mean, it's just, it's not looking great as we look ahead from our perspective on 2024. Hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully it turns out to be a great year and... Lots of healing takes place, and right, say, the gospel in, goes forward. Tune in next time for John's motivational speech <laughs> about the new year. Tune in for 2025. Same, same channel, same time. <laughs> Optimistic, John. Yeah, and so um, preparation is a good word because I think that it's important for us to sit down, and our topic today is looking ahead at 2024 and really to hear Pastor Eric's kind of your heart and vision for where you want LBC to be, how you would like for us to be prepared uh, for 2024. And while the rest of the world is going to do its thing— how are we as the people of God to respond to hardship, to triumphs, to to all the things that this year has to bring? Yeah, I think um, I'd have to look at the, the historical part of what I think God's already kind of taught us. And so kind of what, what got me to the place I'll, I'll share soon is just looking at, I remember 2016, mm-hmm. the election year, and I remember being in India which is unique to hear the the president announced in another country. Mm. And I just noticed fear, right? Fear mm. in um, Christians, fear in, in another country um, because of what was happening on the other side of the globe. And I kind of saw, wow, this really has like a far reaching effect. You yeah. know, who's, mm. who's ruling and governing America? And then kind of looking at that into 2020, it's like we didn't learn anything from 2016. It heightened it. Yeah. And then in the 2020 comes around, there's even more fear, more panic. And so as I look at this, it's like, okay, I don't think I really intentionally 
walked through how does the Bible speak about being where you are and where you live and part of its government and part of its culture and society and how do you interact with it? I remember being really reactive, you know, it's like, okay, wow, there's all this panic. Let's address it with the scripture. And so thinking through um, in 2023, it was like, how can we be proactive and and call people back to what they've already been taught instead of, all right, we have chaos. How do we calm it? And so as I started thinking through that, just the imagery you see in Ephesians um, and even Colossians, just this, that you don't want to be tossed to and fro by the waves. I feel like Christians just got tossed everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, Me included, because it's like, what do you do with this? Like, I have no clue, no categories, no folders. You're talking about like the the pandemic and everything. Yeah, all of it. All of it. The economy, the pandemic, the elections, the disinformation, you know, all, all of it. It was like, I was not ready for that. Um, praise God, the Bible's there <clears throat> and you can draw back. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my heart was, well, how do we, how do we, you know, prepare for what's in front of us? So when the wave comes, it, it might hurt, but you don't get tossed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever been in the ocean and you're like, wow, that hurts. But getting tossed is really different. When you're tossed, you're like, am I drowning? Where's the bottom? <laughs> which way is up? Yeah, which way is up? I'm spinning. Up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're grasping for air. Um, that's different than like just getting slapped by a wave. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that kind of stung, but I'm standing. You know, I can breathe. I can see. I know where everything is. Just wasn't a pleasant feeling. Mm-hmm. Or even I think of like how my dad taught me how to stand in a wave. Like you yeah. expect the waves to come when you're in the ocean, but he yes. taught me how to stand yep. so that when the wave comes, I wouldn't get knocked over. Because yes. the waves are always going to come, but then I knew how to be. Yes. And so that's cool. really what was kind of on my heart and on my mind and kind of drove even our first little mini series here, Time, Talent, Treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't so much the we as a church need to go over giving or serving. It was more like um, being busy with the right things. Mm-hmm. You know good. what I mean? Yeah. You read First Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus. It talks a lot about not being idle, you know. And mm-hmm. when you're idle and you're not doing the things you're supposed to, you, your imagination can run and your emotions can run mm-hmm. and you end up being busy in, in things you shouldn't. Yeah. Right. And so it's kind of like, let's, let's focus and channel our energy on, you know, God has gifted you. How can you use that for good? Mm-hmm. And God's resourced you and how can you use that? And how can you manage your time in a way so that when the storm comes, you're already busy doing the right things. Right. And so it's, it's more of an annoying thing to deal with instead of all consuming because you've already consumed your time, talent, and treasure properly, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So kind of setting the stage with that. And then as you move right back into Matthew, he's going to kind of talk through a little bit what Pastor Andy went through today in his context of um, get to work until Jesus gets back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, be ready. Have your house in order. And if you kind of just take that in its fullness, being a Christ- full-time Christian, right, is enough work in and of itself. And that'll get you through the things you need to get through. Um, because realistically, being a Christian in those moments is what you're called to do. You're not called to fix the president. You're not called to fix the governor. Right. You're not called to you know, go make a new society. Right. You're called to love Jesus faithfully, whether it's in Iraq, Afghanistan, or China, which would, I would argue is way harder than what we have. <laughs> 
uh, or whatever changing things we have going on. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to be sad and say, man, I remember a time when it wasn't like this. However, that doesn't change the mission to be like Christ and share Christ and model Christ likeness, all those things. And so you'll move through that in Matthew a little bit. And then the goal would be, you know, when we kick off in August to move into Genesis, okay, God's sovereign and he created all this. He knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. So let's not freak out. Let's look for what has he called us to do. And let's look at how faithful Christians acted, you know, in the middle of chaos and tragedy and, you know, just... I love Genesis, but I love Joseph, you know, he's, yeah, he's just thrown into bad things and God uses all of that. Literally it says what man meant for evil, God used for good. Yeah. And you think, well, how can a famine be good? And it's like, well, look at all these people that trusted the Lord because of it. And mm-hmm. what did Joseph have to go through? Being hated by his family, being a prisoner, you know, gaining trust and being ripped out from him. None of his own like doing, yeah. you know, like it wasn't yeah. his sin. God just said, I'm going to use you to do this. And so I think that should help kind of inspire some hope, mm-hmm. identify. There's a lot of characters in Genesis, so you can identify and kind of be like, oh, I understand that, you know, um, as a character, and I understand how that would be hard and tragic and sad, but hopeful, you know. Right. And then being <clears throat> drawn back that God's the creator, and he holds all things in his hands. Yeah. So just kind of looking through that so that when the chaos comes, maybe we're a little sad, we're annoyed, we're confused, <laughs> but the world's not falling apart. Yeah. Right? We, we are active in our church, we're active in our prayer life, reading our Bible, and, and doing the things God's equipped us to do. And that's the norm, you know what I mean, instead of yeah. a reaction. Yeah. Yeah, because reaction rules the day, right? Yes. I mean, if we watch the news, if we watch social media, if which, let's be honest, by probably the majority of the people listening, and ourselves included, I mean, like, we mm-hmm. just, we eat this stuff up. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's just what our society runs on anymore is too much information or uh, everybody's opinions all the time. And it kind of does create this panic and this reaction yeah. towards mm-hmm. every little thing that happens, whether it's who won the Emmy for best actor, actress, mm-hmm. all the way to what's your opinion on, you know, what's going on in Gaza and Israel and all of these things. Yeah. Um, who should be the next president and why, who's going to be able to lead our country out of this mess that we are, that we all find ourselves in. And before you know it, it seems like the church and Christians are kind of sucked into that same reactionary mindset as yes. the rest of the world. And we find ourselves panicking and fiddling our, with our fingers and, oh, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it sounds like what you're saying is when you look at Genesis, when you look at Matthew, when you look at how God's gifted us, just like just like we've seen today, towards a purpose and a plan, when you look at God's sovereignty, um, anxiety and worry and stress and reaction, it doesn't... Doesn't tie in. It doesn't tie <clears throat> in, yeah. It's very unbecoming almost of God's people. Yeah, and the only way you really see it used to a positive is Paul using it as it drives him to Christ more. Right. Right. And that Mm. the power of Christ might be seen in him. So when when I think of all of what could happen there, there's two things I get afraid of as a pastor Mm. is it divides the church because they become more about their secondary identity than their Mm. primary identity, which is Republican, Democrat, Californian, Mm. American, in California, you know, Bakersfieldian, you know, whatever it is, whatever, uh, you know, teacher, cop, firefighter, um, mom, you know, whatever that secondary identity is, citizen, yeah. and that becomes your primary. 
and then there's a lot of wars that get created out of that. And the world looks at the church and they're like, you guys are more messed up than we are. Like, why would I ever want to do that? Right. right. And, but when you read your Bible, the story is like, no, we're Christians. And that supersedes being a Jew or a Gentile, you know, being a Sumerian or, mm. you know. And so you look at that and it, that's to be the overriding identifying principle. You're a Christian and this is how Christians act in a Roman society, in an American society, in a Chinese society, right? right? Whether it's a dictator, a democracy, a monarch, this is how Christians act, and that mm. unites us. So <clears throat> that division, I think, is one. And two is, is, as a Christian, one of the benefits is that you wouldn't live in fear of a king or a president or a governor, because Christ is the ultimate authority, and he's whom you're afraid of, but that fear comes out of reverence for his authority and love. Yeah. You know, and so you miss that benefit as a Christian. And I think what should have been a great blessing to us, the church, that, you know, God's in charge. I'm not going to worry about it. Ended up being, we were just like the world, freaked out, hair on fire, yeah. angry, you know, confused, and just a mess. Cloroxing yeah. off our groceries as they were delivered. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hopefully we learned from that one. <laughs> Do yeah. you think sometimes, like, when you think about that, you're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, just the stuff that we lived through for the pandemic, like, I don't know, mm -hmm. just crazy, like, all the misinformation, all what we were told anyways. But then the stuff, like, that we did to be like, okay, we're going to do this to, like, survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's I mean, and not, I mean, and yeah. we did it because at the time that was, you know, the best knowledge we have of it all. But. I don't know. I just think back about that sometimes. Like, gosh, well, we really lived through. I look around this table. We're all we're all roughly the same era here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're all Elijah maybe maybe not Elijah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elijah. Elijah. Sorry, Elijah. Elijah's much older than Elijah's us. the youngin. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, you know, but for us, I mean, I, I'm sure older generations had they have their other things that right. they've walked through and coped with. But largely, I mean, for us, this is the first time we watched our government kind of look up and be like. I don't know, <laughs> you know, yeah. nobody seemed to have an answer. And the people who did have answers, they were all conflicting answers. And it was up to all of us to just kind of make up our own minds and figure it out, right. you know. Mm -hmm. um, well, and again, that kind of goes back to the idea of like, who are we listening to? Yeah. Ultimately, as our first source of instruction, are we listening? Am I a person who's looking to the government for my direction or am mm -hmm. I looking to scripture to guide me as an unchanging source despite right, right. the circumstances. And something that keeps coming to my mind is just that idea of citizenship, of where do I consider my primary citizenship to be? Mm. What is my most permanent identity? My citizenship is in heaven. Amen. That's right. And I can very easily lose sight of that, partially because I really care about the things on this earth that I really care about. Mm -hmm. I care about my kids. I care yeah. in 2020, I think any of us who are middle-aged really cared about the health of our parents and oh, whether yeah. that was, mm -hmm. whether we were endangering them or not. Those mm -hmm. were things that felt like they mattered. Mm -hmm. And so how do you handle those wisely, but in light of being first and foremost, a citizen of heaven? That, that for me is kind of the crux of whether I get fearful or anxious or discouraged. Yeah, I think one of the beautiful moments during all of that was when everyone was kind of just 
done listening to all the craziness and they're like, we're going to church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And everyone yeah, gathers now. Uh huh. And it's like, okay, I, I'm sick of listening to the news and the radio. I need to hear the truth. And it's like yeah. Bible teaching became really cool all of a sudden. You know what I mean? It's true. And like fellowshipping with people as, as much as people tried to be, cautious i still remember you walk out in the parking lot and everyone went from space to lump together <laughs> right and they're so excited and i'm gonna be honest i think i gave a p- couple people covid doing that yep yep <laughs> after a church service so let's just be fair there we'll yeah to start that from the record yes um but <laughs> there right. there was a kind of a, a recommitting yeah you know to okay we need to get back to the bible because i just don't know what to do anymore and so as I, I think I look back, it's like, well, this time, not saying there's a pandemic coming, but I think there's hard times coming. Mm-hmm. How can we start there? And so you start with the framework, God's sovereign. He's communicated to us how to handle the things that are crazy. And how can we respond the way he would have us respond? And I think it sets an example to the world that, you know, Christians have a lot of hope because of Christ, but it mm-hmm. doesn't mean we don't cry and we don't have pain and there's not hard times. Um, but it doesn't rule, reign, and control us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I think there's an incredible opportunity uh, ahead of us as well. Um, but I think it's in light of learning from the past and preparing for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of Second Second Corinthians chapter four, um, which is very encouraging. But at the same time, it's kind of not. <laughs> you know, when you when you when you look at you know everything that believers back then back then. I mean, even today, this is happening around the world. But you know, believers who are under persecution, who who didn't have rights, so to speak, like we have here in America. I mean, there was nothing like that to protect Christians. Um, and it's, it's to these Christians where Paul is writing that we do, we do not lose heart. He says in verse 2, We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open, open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He says, What we proclaim, verse 5, is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. It's yeah. very, very simple the way Paul puts it here. What, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, and this is so important to remember, this is what God has done. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's hearkening back to mm-hmm. Genesis and creation and the power. The same God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that's beautiful. That's kind of who we are and who our God is. But then he goes on in verse eight <laughs> to give the reality of their present situation in the midst of in, in the midst of all of this. We are afflicted in every way, yep, but not crushed. Mm-hmm. These are the hopeful statements. Amen. We are perplexed. I appreciate that he put that in there. Yeah, yeah. But I, we are not I'm driven to despair. So I appreciate it too. You what? <laughs> that I'm also perplexed. I appreciate <laughs> that too. We are perplexed, but not driven to mm-hmm. despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And he finishes this whole section, so we do not lose heart. Again, there it is. For though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, which I would say is far more affliction than we face, 
He says, this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient, they're passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. A lot of scripture right there. Yep. But to, but to see that rooted in who Christ is and who God is and what he has done for us, first and foremost, it almost seems like what he's saying is that this is what gives us the power to face any and every situation. And he's talking to believers who are truly suffering as well. Oh, yeah. And I think it's almost impossible to face any perplexing suffering situation without keeping the eternal reality of Christ yeah. in mind, like that passage does. That's and true. I just, I think that this world, and this is, these are maybe some hard-earned suffering lessons in my own life, but we cannot predict what these days will hold. Nope. Right. And we are promised by Jesus himself that in this world we will have trouble. Mm-hmm. But fill in the blank, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. And that we see in Revelation 21, Jesus on his throne saying, behold, I am making all things new. Yeah. And yeah. I cannot guarantee that this 2024 year is going to turn out any of the ways that I would hope in my earthly mm-hmm. hopes, dreams, desires, but I can look to knowing that when I see Jesus in glory, he will be making all things new and Amen. be making things right. And that's hope that I can trust in. I can't trust in 2024. No way. But I can hope in what Jesus is doing in heaven. That's well said. Yeah, I, I think when I look to 2024, I hope that being prepared leads to a lot of opportunity to share Christ. Mm. Because I remember just going through kind of that 2020 year, and one of the things that would come up often is, I'm just freaked out, I don't know what to do. And the fact that there was chaos actually caused them to be open to a spiritual Mm -hmm. conversation. It's true. You know, and so I, I had more conversations with people about Jesus probably than ever, because people genuinely wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of seeing chaos as an opportunity. Yeah. But I can only do that if I'm really grounded that, you know, Jesus is on the throne and that's good enough. He knows what's going on. I don't. I can trust him. And then all of a sudden people are kind of like, well, why are you calm? Why aren't you? Well, I'm a Christian and this is why. Yeah. You're you're not a Christian, so you should be freaked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And kind of walk them through that because like, yeah, if all your hope is here yeah. and everything's falling apart, there's that's not good for you. Yeah. You know, but I know where I'm going perfect and there's no sin and there's no disease and there's no chaos and so i know that's better yeah and i know whatever is going on god's not caught off guard yeah he's not surprised and there's christians in the bible that have been through far worse um and i don't know how god will use it for his glory i might never get to know that but i trust Mm -hmm. uh, that he can use it for some type of good um and that he's he's not surprised or sad or man, that didn't really work out the way I thought it would, you know. So I find <laughs> great hope. Yeah, I find great hope there. Um, but to to come to that position, it it is it's one of those things as a Christian or a human, however you want to put it. It's not natural to think like that. It's natural, I think, to want to fall apart. Yeah. So that's where preparation, I think, is a good word. It's seeing how God talks about Himself, how people viewed Him in the Bible, how mm-hmm. Christians historically. 
so that when your emotions do well up, you have a lot of things there to help anchor that heart and that anxiety because the word of God's been there. The preaching yeah. of God's word has been there. Uh, spiritual conversations with friends and brothers and sisters in Christ have been there. There's all these things kind of help anchoring and settle that emotion. Um, and so I think if we, if we do that a lot on the front end, mm-hmm. um, hopefully our reaction is like, ouch, but not end of the world. Yeah. That's great. Cause I, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of, probably a lot of our listeners, when you think about sharing your faith, yeah, you know, I, I then typically, you know, a lot of people tend to shy away from that because they think, well, I don't know enough about the gospel message or I don't know right. enough theology or I don't know. And, and all of those are important. You need to know the gospel and yep. the basics of the gospel if you're going to share the message of the gospel. However, yeah, I, I, I think we can sometimes discount a, what a prepared heart and a prepared mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> the witness of that, you know, what that, what that does to, to bear witness to the power of God to any and everybody who's watching us and watching our lives or who's, who's in proximity with us, that it's those areas where I think the Bible does call us to be odd and weird. Yeah. When the rest mm-hmm. of the world's freaking out, but the Christian church, the Christians are not freaking out. Yes. That's weird. Mm-hmm. And it should bear that question. What's a reason for the hope that you profess? Yep. <laughs> you know, as is given there. And, and all too often, I think either we blend in with the world because yep. we, we want to jump in the chats and we want to make all the same comments and we want to tear down the, you know, opposing party of the election. You know, wh- whatever that is, we, we're quick to share our opinions. We're quick to speak. Uh, we're, and before we know it, we look like the rest of the world and we react like the rest mm-hmm. of the world. And there's no reason for the world to look at us and say that there's any hope in us whatsoever. No one has ever been brought to the Lord by an angry Instagram political post. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like, a bumper absolutely. sticker. I just like <laughs> make it. That's all, all I'll say about it. But I got like I just. No, I think you're right. I feel I think like that we right get caught up mm-hmm. in that sometimes, and it's like that is not what brings people to the Lord. Yeah, it does the opposite. Yeah, and we spend so much time being weird for Jesus. I think that we're not weird where the Bible's called us to be weird. Yeah, this right. is where we're called to be weird. When everyone's freaking yeah. out, we're at peace. Well, well and maybe that um, even looks like not just. I mean, it is really important to prepare our minds. Yeah, and to know. God's truth and to be armed for battle with the truth. And I just keep thinking about the fruit of the spirit too, of yeah, that's true. in all of these things, are we also pouring out of our lives, the fruit of the Holy spirit in us mm-hmm. in how we are approaching yeah. the people around us, the people mm-hmm. we may not agree with right. is my is my truth armed with gentleness mm-hmm. is my truth mm-hmm. armed with self-control. There's a social media question for us all. Yeah. Um, is my truth armed with faithfulness? Am Just I, kindness. am I the same yeah. person at home that I am when I'm posting to Instagram? You know, these, mm-hmm. I think these are all really, really important character traits that God puts in his word, gives to the Holy spirit to pour out through us so that we can actually draw people to the character of Christ instead of to the smart or unsmart words that are coming out of our mouths. <laughs> so what are some, um, and Pastor Eric, you already alluded to some of these things. What are, what are the ways that we can prepare our minds and prepare our hearts um, to keep that perspective before us of the fact that Christ is on his throne, I am a citizen of heaven, 
come what may, I may have to suffer this year. There may be actual real suffering that takes place in my life this year. Yeah. Leslie, what's your phrase that you saw that was so funny? The horrors persist, but so do I. <laughs> <laughs> so when somebody asks you how you're doing, Maybe that that's going to be your new answer. That'll be your phrase for the year. I'm replacing it. I'm taking away discipline, and I'm putting in this phrase instead. The horrors persist, but, but so, so do I. I. Yeah, there's in- truth to that. Instagram ain't all bad. That's where I got that. I made me laugh for days. <laughs> But I mean, what are what are some things that God has given to us in order to keep our hearts prepared and our minds prepared? I think one issue sometimes is our forgetfulness. So like as yeah. we're talking about how we've all been through all these things in 2020 and a lot of it was really traumatic and really stressful, but the Lord brought us through. So mm-hmm. as we enter another season, another cycle that may have a lot of these similar stressors, mm-hmm. like let us remember that the Lord was faithful and yes, like the waves came, they rocked us, maybe, you know, some more than others, yeah. but here we are yeah. like, and so let's not forget, let's look back. Bad things always happen, but the Lord will bring you through. And so it's like, you have to just really reflect like, okay, I don't want to forget that, but I know we all, you know, sadly have, I mean, I would say we all, but me, myself, mm-hmm. have short memories sometimes. And we're like, yeah. oh my gosh, here's the next thing. Now what am I going to do? You know, like it just never ends. Right. Yeah, I, I think the word that I that that comes to mind when John says that is sober. And I, I think we tend to think of sober in terms of alcohol and sobriety, but the Bible speaks a lot of it as having a sober mind. Right. First Peter one thirteen says, Therefore, preparing mm. your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it kind of hints at sobriety comes in the mind through preparation. That's why I think, um, and again, this is going to seem so boring and so plain, and I apologize, but it's just true. You know, going to church is a part of sobering your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm. Here's my caveat. If you know who you're worshiping with, okay, I I, I know it's, I'm cheating because I'm the pastor, and I know a, a decent amount of people, but I see people who are going through cancer mm-hmm. and they're singing. Mm-hmm. I see a man who's battling a divorce and he's singing. You know, this morning I saw a, an older woman get wheelchaired down, could barely get in her seat. You know what I mean? And I'm seeing people fight to sing yeah. because they know that God's greater than whatever it is they're going through and they still love Jesus mm-hmm. and it's not health or marital or parenting problems that's conditioning their faith. That's extremely encouraging. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that I, I know there's a caveat there. You, you kind of have to watch. But, I mean, I still remember Ruth going through cancer, mm-hmm. playing yeah. the piano, just singing, like, I can't wait to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? You know, that, that, that speaks to you. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, so, part, so part of that in the routine is you see other Christians – demonstrating that and you're like wow okay you're right it's that reminder um john does a really good job for worship hey we always have a reason to sing that's sobering your mind have a reason to sing uh, the bible's going to be taught if you come you know, and the bible's going to remind you god's in charge right mm-hmm. christ died for you you're loved and, and kind of help put things in perspective being in a bible study there's going to be other christians hey yeah our kid went through that it's not the end of the world <laughs> but it is hard right yeah. And you're going to want to pull your hair out and, you know, quit and all those things. However, right. And so, again, sobers your mind. Yeah. 
um, praying. I think when sometimes if I need to switch it up, I'll pray out loud or I'll write it down because articulating it in paper or verbally, I'm less likely to say stupid things because it causes me to actually think more. Mm -hmm. But if I just like pray, like I'll say dumb things. I'm like, oh God, I should. Okay, no, no, I'll start over. It's like, okay, I got <laughs> too much chaos. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like prayer ADD. I'm like, sorry, yeah. Lord, I'm coming back. Hold yes. on. <laughs> but I thought of the grocery list, but uh -huh. now I'm back. And so if I have to like really focus, I'm like, I'm going to write this down. And it's usually way more structured and biblical because I'm really forcing myself. Okay, what does the Bible say? What yeah. am I supposed to pray? And what do I know to be true about God? Um, and so I think sometimes the, the crazier things get, you got to maybe be more focused and diligent in it. So, you know, praying, reading your Bible, talking to people about what's going on. So you're being reminded of the truth. And so it's kind of always in front of you. Mm -hmm. Now combine that with uh, what, what helps maybe pollute your mind mm -hmm. is if what you're watching and listening to or scrolling through far outweighs what's coming into your mind, you're going to yeah. have a really hard time acting appropriately. Yeah. Like I remember a turning point for me is I was so afraid for anything bad to happen to anyone. I was just watching everything I could. And I was like, I need to stop. Or I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Because I was like, everyone disagrees. No one's on the same page. I don't know if they're right. They're right. I'm like, how can I be right if no one, you know, and yep. just my mind started. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to talk to other Christians. And we're going to do our God-given best to do what the book says. Mm -hmm. Right. And, just, you know, be responsible the best we can. And once we kind of went that route, it was really helpful. Yeah, But as there's just too much noise around me, too much chaos, I couldn't think soberly. Yep. So I think you got to kind of manage that too. So Pastor Eric, I think as a follow-up to that, one of the things that came up as I was preparing for talking today was um, the idea of, especially when it comes to politics and an election season, mm -hmm. I think um, as humans, it is our natural sinful nature to hold on to what our rights are. Yeah. And we throw out that word of what our rights and protecting our rights. And I think even as Christians, we have a tendency to create a category of rights that we think are Christian rights to hold yeah. on to. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, or maybe I'm asking you to debunk that a little bit. What right. What are our biblical God-given rights? Yeah, I think our God-given rights are to worship. Um, you look all through the Old and the New Testament, God's people were never spared pain, punishment, persecution, illness, um, being swallowed by a whale, a flood, jail. And in and, and all of those, Jesus is telling his disciples, you know, Pray for those who persecute you. Mm -hmm. Love your enemies. Mm -hmm. right? Like he's, he's telling them, there's, there's no, I now have permission to be unchristian because you violated some type of right of mine, whether it's my space, my speech, my property, my um, right to opinion, whatever it is, he, he, there's never like a permission clause. Mm -hmm. When they do this, then, right? you know, you act crazy and get crazy. Um, so that's why you see Paul in prison. He's singing in the inner chamber, right? Because he's commanded to worship. Mm -hmm. You see Daniel in the Old Testament. 
you have to pray to the false god. He's like, nope, not going to do it. Okay, you have to stop praying to your god. Nope, not going to do it. I'm going <laughs> to open the window. I'm going to pray loud. He, right? And he's like, I, that is what my created purpose is. And right. you can't take that from me. Right. I'm going to do that. no matter. And, and Jesus doesn't say, that's your right. Therefore, no one is allowed to put you in jail, take away your property. You know, and in Canada, you kind of saw that. There were some pastors yeah, that were true. like, all right. I'm not going to stop, but if that's where I end up, that's where I end up. And they literally went to jail for Mm -hmm. having church and preaching Mm -hmm. the gospel. Um, But what I appreciated about that, it was they knew that that wasn't, uh, the the government didn't have to allow that. That's just what they're doing. If the government makes it easy for them, great. If they don't, you know, they're not going to stop, right? (laughs) Right. They're created to worship. Yeah. You know, um, there's certain rights and freedoms that make it easier, you know, and I'm grateful for those. I'm grateful we don't have to sneak to church. Um, but that's not a, a right, so to speak. It's a right to do it. You have to do it. You're commanded to do it. But the circumstances in which it happening varies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can hear a lot of people maybe who have heard what you just said. Yep. And inside their American minds. Yeah. They could be losing it right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there's a lot of other rights you didn't mention. Right. Yeah. There's, you know, freedom of speech, right to bear arms, you know. Right. Right to, you know, your your income, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, I mean, but you read through Romans 13, you read Christ, it's like pay your taxes, listen to the kings and authorities, pray for them. You know, unless it gets in the hindrance of what God clearly commands. Right. Worship. Worship, yeah, uh, being a Christian. Um, So that's, you, and you see Jesus operate under some crazy tyranny, even from, you know, the emperors and the kings they had. And uh, you don't ever see a command to go overthrow the government, to pass new bills, to make things, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I can be a bit of a a Peter of like, Cut off the ear. Like, yeah. my reaction is like, <laughs> zeal, here we go. Kristen goes straight and, for the yeah, sword. Straight for the <laughs> sword. And may, it might not look like politics all the time, but I can tell you that if there was an issue of justice, it would yeah. be my mm-hmm. immediate reaction to defend the powerless. Or that's my would be my natural passion. And what we see Jesus do right away is like, all right, Peter, put it away. Yeah, <laughs> It's not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the balance there is I don't want to make it sound like people shouldn't yeah. fight for American freedom. It's when it becomes your identity yeah. yes. or it there becomes more important than Christ mm-hmm. or you ruin your witness in the process. Yeah, Like I have to get nasty and dirty and double-handed and, um, you know, kind of like break laws to make laws kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's when it's gone too far. Um, you know, if you want to fight for the freedom of speech or the right to bear arms or the right... Uh, for education, you know, those are all noble things. It just can't outweigh your primary identity as a Christian, Mm -hmm. you know, and if someone sees you, hopefully they see a passionate person, not a whatever political party you're aligning with. Earlier today, before we recorded this, I was talking to a friend out in the courtyard about this kind of topic, and she said, yeah, I listened to a podcast, and they were saying, like, the world wants you to put on your jersey. Like yeah. whatever your jersey mm-hmm. is for That's this a good political analogy. party, for this cause, for this right, yep. whatever it is. And they want us to all have our different colored jerseys on, but that's not what Christians are called to do. Like our jersey is 
Christian. Yeah, I got one jersey. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's that's the heart of it, and that's a great point. And what I'm trying to get at is stay the course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get a crazy president. Okay, things are going to be weird. Stay the course. Christ is on the throne. Christ is on the throne, right? Find rest in that. Find hope in that. And yeah, it is going to be tricky. And I don't want to act like it doesn't impact you. It might mean mm-hmm. your kids go to a different school. Mm-hmm. It might mean you move states. You know, all those things. I don't want to act like those aren't real things that pressure people. Right. However, it's not to be the all-consuming Regardless, if your kid goes to a public school, private school, or homeschool, they need to know Christ, love Christ, and know how to operate in the world. Amen. And you make those decisions independently of each other, and that's okay. Yeah. But that's when you put on the jersey, you know, it's like I'm team fill in the blank, public mm-hmm. school, private school, yeah. and all of a yeah. sudden these secondary identities get in, mm-hmm. and it's driven by the culture. That's why we're making the decision, and we want to defend our choice, so then that choice is really about us defending that we're not a bad parent instead of saying, no, I'm a Christian and this is how I'm discipling my child. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's fine. Either way, they need to know Jesus and be prepared for the world when they leave. And it's going to happen in different facets. So stay the course. Don't, Don't get so tied into the method. Get tied into, I have to do this because I love Christ and I want my kids to love Christ and my mom and my wife, my husband, you know, all those things. And that we're a part of the family of God. I think yeah. it's no accident that Jesus' last prayer before he goes to the cross is that he prays that we would be one, yeah. that mm-hmm. we would be unified. And I think a lot of times that looks like reminding each other when it would be really tempting to be on different teams, that mm-hmm. we're all wearing the same jersey and that the, the world will know mm-hmm. who Christ is because they see our unity. And that's yeah. a good calling and a high calling and something that can help us to stay the course. So as we kind of wrap things up here, uh, God's made a lot of very great and precious promises to us in the scriptures, Mm -hmm. in the Bible. And these are the things that ultimately, I believe, you know, he's given this to us in his word for the purpose of setting our hearts at rest. I think more more than anything, it's to remind us of the fact that uh, we don't need to stress. We don't need to freak out that when things get tough, we're not abandoned. As we just read, we are not forsaken. Um, what are some of the very great and precious promises that you guys, that come to mind for you guys as we're having this conversation? Yeah, so I'll, I'll couch it in two, right? There's a lot, but there's two I, <laughs> I try to focus on. So one's Isaiah 46, 10, hmm. or 9 and 10. It says, remember the former things of old. So it's kind of remember what God's done. And he says, for I am God, there is no other. So I think we, we focus a lot on the other. And it's like, well, the other's doing this, whether it's the president, the governor, the principal, uh, whatever it is, that other saying, no, 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 I am God. There is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, I think sometimes we categorically make God like us. So God's up there losing his mind, losing control. He doesn't know what's right. going on. He's scrambling. Be patient, guys. I'm, I'm, I'll figure it out. You know. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not like any other. Right? I am God. Then verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand Mm. and I will accomplish all my purpose. Mm. Now, that's comforting and terrifying. Yeah, that's true. The terrifying part is, well, okay, people are dying and terror is happening. Evil exists. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, God has a purpose and it's my job to trust his judgments play my role, trust his sovereignty. 
I at least can categorically put my mind at ease. Yeah. There's none like him. He knows what's going on. The more I try to make God like me, I get very anxious because I'm, I'm anxious, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no, he knows everything. He's not freaked out. Oh, okay. This makes sense to him. As long as I can identify it makes sense to him. Mm-hmm. Um, my example would be it's like when I need advice, I usually go to someone older than me who's already been through it. Mm-hmm. And I find great comfort when they're like, this is normal. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it puts me at ease. You know, so I, th- I think sometimes I forget, no, God knows everything. Yeah. So I need to be at rest. So that's one. And then two is Romans 8.35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, this mm-hmm. is the, you got to walk through the next parts of this. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You know, and the response is surely nothing, right, can separate us from the love of God. So I think when bad things or crazy things are happening, you don't feel God's love present. Mm-hmm. And it's like this verse is there to tell you, give you a sober mind. No, the love of God through Christ is present always. Amen. And so it's like I'm loved and he's in control. Okay, those are two great things I need to know. And so I think... um when I get really confused or anxious, it's like, what do I know to be true? Mm-hmm. And then I try what I know to be true to shape and form my feelings and, you know, yep. what's going on inside. That's great. Oh, I just, um, I know that one of my tendencies is to get, to lean on the self-preservationist side of like, what about me? Will I be taken care of? Will my people be taken care of? And just, looking inward all of a sudden when I feel afraid and um, one of the precious promises that I hold on to is out of Second Corinthians. Um, I'll just read it here and it is Paul talking about the affliction that they experienced in Asia and he he says indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Hmm. He delivers mm. us. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You, mu- you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And I just love that passage for so many reasons. I want to just rest my head every day on that promise. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. Hmm. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And then I love that the prayers of the people are the support that give Paul hope. I think we Hmm. get to be a community that brings hope to each other, reminds Mm -hmm. each other of Christ, and prays fervently for each other in those areas that feel like it's scary. We don't know Mm -hmm. what deliverance will look like, but we do know that we have a God who will deliver us again and again. Amen. Yeah, you know, when I look around, especially at politics, um, I get really anxious. I just, I don't know what it is. Election season makes me anxious. I think that's why I came up with this for this episode today. Um, This whole podcast. You guys are helping me out a lot. All of John's fears about the upcoming year. The whole reason we're going to be a changed man completely. (laughs) Um, I, I love when God verbally throws his weight around in the Bible. I don't know how else to describe it. Like the swagger that God has Mm -hmm. sometimes. In the way that he speaks. You're like, he um, who sits in heaven laughs. Yeah, that's actually where I'm going. Psalm 2. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Psalm 2 just gets me every time it recenters me. It actually sets my heart at rest to watch God laugh in the face of adversity. Mm. 
um, that can sound really callous. Right. <laughs> you know, but when you look at the verbiage, and for anybody who hasn't read Psalm 2 lately, please go read it. It starts off with, you know, why do the nations rage, the people's plot in vain? And it talks about how literally the kings and rulers of the earth are setting themselves against God, that they want to throw off his rules mm-hmm. and his reign. They don't want to acknowledge him as king. They don't want to acknowledge him as God. And this kind of defines most of what I see in the world, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we're seeing this played out all the time, that the kings of, of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart. In other mm-hmm. words, they don't want to be under God's mm-hmm. law. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And oh, no. I feel like most Christians, this is what annoys me as a worship leader, because like, you know, I feel like most Christians are like, oh, no, what's God going to do? What's mm-hmm. he going to do in this situation? In verse 4, he who sits in heaven mm-hmm. laughs. Yep. He, he laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath. He will terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, and this is talking prophetically now of Christ, God says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion. Yep. You want to talk about kings, kings? Yeah. I've set my king on Zion my holy hill. And he goes on, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your your possession. He's talking to Jesus. You shall break them, talk about the nations, with the with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And the whole thing ends, and I just love this. It's, it ends with a call. So it began with the nations raging against God and his law and his word. And it ends with a warning. (laughs) I mean, the whole thing just gets flipped here. The logical conclusion is this. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise and be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry. This is terrifying. Lest he be angry with you and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Yeah. And it ends with this one. But blessed. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And to me, that tension always sets my heart and my mind like right back where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That, the, that God is holy. He's on his throne, and that's terrifying when you're against him. Should be terrifying. You don't stand a chance. God laughs at our best efforts mm-hmm. to undo him. Yet the same God in his terror and in his wrath and in his fury is a blessing for those who take refuge in him. And he beckons those to come to him and take refuge in him in Christ. So to, to see in such beautiful tension the, the wrath and the fury of God and yet his care and his invitation to come to him and to bless, you know, is just a, a really, really beautiful thing. And it just reminds me, you know, that when I'm tempted to fret, who's going to be the president? Who's going to be the governor? Who's going to handle things in the Middle East? Who's going to blah, 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 blah? God's on his throne. Mm-hmm. Christ right. is on his throne. And that is actually enough. And so in the meantime, I don't need to panic because God's got it, regardless of the outcomes. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave with this analogy, and then we, we, can, uh, we can shut it down. I know everyone's tired of listening or something. But um, <laughs> I think of it, it's like your kids. When, whenever something bad happens, they freak out, and you kind of laugh. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it's going to be fine. You know what I mean? It's going to be fine. And you're not laughing out of spite. You're just like, you're just not old enough to know you're right. going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is that you can't do or can't have, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm the dumb guy who actually thinks he can explain things to three-year-olds <laughs> sometimes, right? And, <laughs> and so you've gone through and it's like, all right, you're just going to have to trust me, right? Yeah. 
And I'm reminded, you ever ask like a three or four year old to trust you? They're like, I can't, right? Like Mm -hmm. the pain is too big and too hard. Like you don't know what you're asking me, dad. And it's like, oh, what I just wish they would trust. I think it's just sometimes we forget we're we're the three-year-old. Yeah. Right? Who's really sold on there's nothing good that can come from this. It has to be the way I need it. (laughs) And if it doesn't happen this way, everything is going to fall apart. Right. You know, and God uh, is even greater than us in that. It's not that he's been through it. It's like that Isaiah passage. He's designed the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. Like he knows. He knows. He knows. And he's like, just at the end of the day, just trust me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I put myself in the three-year-olds. That's like, oh, that it's hard. It's hard um, because when you look at them, it's real pain. It's real tears. Yeah. Right. But the gap between you and them is just so great. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, it's gonna come down to trust. Yeah. I just love Psalms twenty-seven, thirteen, and fourteen. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah. 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 That's it. So here we are entering into twenty twenty-four. Dun, dun, dun. Or maybe it'll be. Ah. <laughs> well, however, it turns out, uh, hopefully what you've heard today is that regardless of what takes place, regardless of what we face, regardless what we find in this year and what this year holds for us, we need to be busy doing the right things. Mm. And we need to work until Jesus comes. That's continue right. to build the kingdom, continue to preach the gospel, continue to make much of Christ to worship as he has commanded us to worship him. We are not to become divided like the rest of the culture. Um, There's no reason for us to have misplaced fear. We fear God and God alone. Mm. And he is the one who loves us and he is the one who keeps us. Uh, We shouldn't be forgetting his faithfulness in our lives, but constantly remembering and do what it takes. If you got to write it down, if you're going to start journaling, um, whatever that looks like for you, you know, write down the blessings and the promises that God has made and revisit those often to see his faithfulness in your life. Uh, We need to be cultivating a sober mind, a mind that sees things as they are, as the Bible has described it, as the Bible has instructed us to see things uh, and and to live and to dwell in the truth of who we are, who God is, and what he says about our world today. Come what may, God is on his throne, and he is in charge. He sees the beginning from the end, as was just shared. And he has promised us that he will never, ever remove his love from those who are truly his in Christ. And that's good news uh, because that's what leads us all the way into glory and takes us all the way home. So who do we have to fear? Nobody. That's right. (laughs) Well, guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for having us. Do you want me to be on the worship team after you just heard my... Am I in? That was pretty good. Was that my audition? That actually wasn't bad. That's that's all I got, though. So uh, Yeah, we'll see. That's as good as it gets. Just the one note? (laughs) Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and hit subscribe if you haven't already so that you can always be alerted anytime there's a new episode that drops. And also share it with a friend. Tell people because we want everyone to know the good news of Jesus Christ. All right. Well, the LBC podcast is a ministry of Laurel Glen Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. Hey, we would love to see you face to face and worship with you in person. So join us on Sunday mornings at 830 and 10 a.m. We'd love to see you. And also we have Bible studies for every age and every stage all throughout the week. Home groups, life groups, men's groups, women's groups, recovery groups, you name it. Uh, We want you to know the word of God and to know that you are not alone. Thanks for listening and God bless you. Mm